You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. We're going to start a new sermon series this morning, and the sermon series is going to be entitled, Jesus, Who Are You? And we're going to be looking at seven statements that Jesus makes about his own identity in the Gospel of John. They're called the I Am Statements. But we see these statements as fitting into a pattern, a bigger pattern, that is found earlier in the Bible. And so for this first sermon in the series, we're going to look at an Old Testament passage where God reveals himself to Moses and makes himself known through this phrase, I Am. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. At this time, I'm going to read the scriptures to you. They're from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. They should appear at the bottom of your screen. Please follow along as I read. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the mist of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burning. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Let me pray. Our Lord, we desperately need to experience and meet with you this morning. And so as we come before you this morning, we do ask that you would meet with us, that your spirit would open our minds and our imaginations, that we would see 
the resurrected Jesus, our hero, our savior, our king, and we would follow him diligently and be loyal to him with all of our life, knowing that he gave his life for us, that we might find grace unending. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're nine days into 2022, and you can feel a collective spirit brewing in our city, a spirit of discouragement. 2022 was to be a new year. Everyone was vaxxed, even now triple vaxxed. It was time to move forward. Also, that COVID-19 pounds that you'd been carrying around your waist, it was time to get rid of them. It seems as though many of us decided to use the new year as a time to drop a bad habit, go to the gym with some regularity. And five days later into the new year, the gyms are closed. Our kids don't even get a chance to go back to school. They're back on virtual school, setting a record for most time outside of the classroom in North America. And I can feel the ways in which so many good intentions feel as though they've been derailed. And people have started their year with some sense of encouragement and some sense of passion, and now they are ready to give up. They've made resolutions maybe to get rid of watching so much Netflix, and now they've just decided to see how many hours of Netflix they can watch this year. They made a resolution to get in better shape and to dress more professionally, not sit around in sweatpants all day, and now they've decided to see if they can go all year without ever leaving the house unless they're wearing elastic waistbands. Listen, the challenging circumstances have caused us to turn from questions of who do I want to become in 22 to the more profound question that lies at the core of what it means to be human. This question of who am I? What's the point? Circumcision, circumstances have brought in such incredible discouragement into our city. People are begin to asking, what are we doing? Is it worth it? Are we really called to do the things we felt called to do at one time? The things we felt so passionate about, are they really worth it now? Should I sit back at my desk and keep playing in this rat race? Seems as though there's no difference in our life with God as well. The passion and joy which we once had for maturing in our walk with the Lord, knowing His grace more deeply, seems to have also been derailed. We at one point felt passionate and called to serve the Lord by making a difference in this world, figuring out how to use our time and energy and talents and wealth to bless our neighbor for the sake of the kingdom of God. And yet some of that passion has sucked dry, been sucked dry as we sit on yet another Zoom call. Listen, if you are discouraged, this passage is a passage that should be tremendously encouraging to you. Because in this passage, we are going to see... That the God we find in the scriptures makes himself known for who he is to people who are always feeling as though they are at their ends. It's only when you come to the end of your resources that you begin to understand who you are, what you were created to be, and who your creator is. If you are at the place where you're saying, what's the point? I've lost passion to do anything and to do anything well. It shouldn't surprise you that maybe this will be the year where God shows up powerfully in your life. And I mean this seriously, powerfully in your life. He makes himself known powerfully and clarifies your calling and gives you a new passion, a new pursuit to serve him in this city. Let's look at this passage in this season of discouragement and let's learn when God often shows up in our lives, how God shows up in our lives, and then finally why God shows up in our lives, when God shows up in our lives, how God shows up in our lives, and why 
God shows up in our lives. So first, what does this passage tell us about when God shows up in our lives? When did he show up in the life of Moses? Well, there's a big hint in verse 1, which plays back into earlier sections of this book. This is a horrendous time in the history of Israel. God's people have been enslaved for generations and they are oppressed. And though their their internal uh, people group is growing, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, realizes that they're growing and decides he wants to put an end to this lest they leave Egypt and he lose his slave laborers. So he commits genocide against all the young men of Israel. And Moses is one of the few boys at this time who survives, few of any who are able to survive because of the faithfulness of two midwives. And in surviving, his mother is forced to put him on a small boat and send him down the river, float him down the river. And while Pharaoh's daughter is bathing, she sees this child, maybe hears this child cry in the water and pulls this child up out of the water, rescuing this child and agrees to raise this child. And so here's Moses. He's from an oppressed people, but he is able to live a life of extreme privilege. He has the best education. He has the finest food. He obviously is God's man for the new history, the new future for Israel. And yet as he grows older, he realizes that though he understands Egyptian culture, he doesn't look like his Egyptian relatives, those who raised him. He looks like the Hebrews who are slaves and he sees a Hebrew being oppressed and he decides he will act as a deliverer. He attempts to rescue his people one at a time and kills, murders an Egyptian. As this happens, he is not well received. And in fact, he is known as a murderer and he's forced to flee as a refugee. A man who was once privileged is now hiding in a foreign land. He eventually marries. He finds work, which to an Egyptian would have been the bottom of the barrel work. He works as a shepherd in this despised profession. Listen, what am I trying to say? This passage starts by telling us Moses was somebody, but he is now nobody as this passage begins. He was a man of incredible potential. The one to whom God was going to use to rescue Israel, at least it it seemed. And yet now he's just living a life of mere survival. He's phenomenally, phenomenally educated the most connected and networked Hebrew that existed on earth, and now he's in a position of utter weakness. He's forgotten, he's humiliated, and he's just going by his day-to-day routine, leading the sheep to find some green pastures, logging on to virtual school, logging on to yet another Zoom meeting. But what happens? This is exactly when God shows up in Moses' life. It's exactly when God decides to say, now you're ready to understand who I am. Moses was finally weak enough to be useful to God. So the question I have to ask as we start this new year is, are you weak enough to be useful for God? Are we 2022 be a year where you pretend, you pretend to show off your strength and hide your weakness so that God says you're not ready yet? Ask anyone who has had any serious relationship with the God of the Bible, the God who makes himself known in Jesus, and they will always tell you of a point in their life when they felt at their weakest. When life felt small. In my life, in hindsight, it seems relatively minor, but I was caught in high school life trying to be liked by everybody and I was disappointing everybody. I was living a life of lies. I was trapped as a hypocrite in my church life. I felt like a failure all around me. And then the Lord made himself known to me. And it was incredible. Every sermon felt as though it was given just to me. It was like as the words left every preacher's mouth, it was like I saw the bush burning and God was speaking just to me. He was so close, it was like I could smell his breath. I heard his grace. 
I heard the good news that he forgave all my sins and gives me hope. God showed up when I was at my lowest. I know there are people in our church who are on their fence about Christianity. You've been investigating for some time. You've put God under the microscope and you just feel as though he won't play your game. You feel as though he's hiding. Whenever you feel you're making progress, he disappears again. And let me tell you this. He just might be. He refuses to be some kind of problem to be solved, some kind of puzzle for you to intellectually spar with. You'll never know the God who makes himself known here to Moses until you admit you have bias that you bring into your pursuit of him. Until you pray, Holy Spirit, show me my arrogance. Show me where I'm naive. Church, it's no different for those of you who call yourself a follower of Christ. So many of us feel as though we're victim to circumstances, especially in the church here in Toronto, wondering what can we do good for God? Aren't we just trying to get by? Listen, God has you where you are because he was going to show up. You are no victim. If you feel disconnected, if you feel distant, the Holy Spirit is using this time to expose your weakness and your challenge. My challenge to you is to pray, Holy Spirit, expose my fears, expose my arrogance that I'm currently blinded to and show up powerfully in my life because I'm at my end. I've been mistreated and I've made bad decisions. Holy Spirit, show up in my life. When does God show up? When we're humbled. Are you weak enough to be used by God this year? Or is it not yet time? This is when God shows up. But now let's look at how God shows up. Moses is a shepherd. He's doing ordinary shepherd work. He's not in prayer. He's not fasting. He's not at a worship conference. He's looking for green pastures as the land is dry. He sees a bush in the middle of, of barren land on fire. And what's happening? Within the bush, he sees that the fire is raging, but it doesn't consume this, this bush. And from the flame, he hears a voice. And from the bush and from this voice, we learn so much about God's character. We see first his inadequacy. In, we see God's adequacy in display in this passage. Is that not what the burning bush is all about? The fire burns and burns and burns, despite the fact that there's no fuel. The fuel is God and God alone. Now, it's interesting. Why use a bush? He reveals himself to the people of Israel later in a pillar of fire with no sort of bush being consumed. Why does he need the bush? And I'm convinced this is because God wants to show Moses. And he wants to show you and me that he is totally adequate to use and not consume. To push you to feel to what feels like your very destruction and sustain you at the same time. His resources are infinite. He's willing to use his creation and he will use them without burning them over. And Moses must understand this for his task. He will be the bush. God will provide the fuel, but the fuel he will not be consumed by the fire. There are going to be heated trials in Moses' life, but he will not be consumed because God is adequate. Later in the passage in verses 13 to 14, God reiterates this point to Moses when Moses says, What name should I tell the people of Israel uh, of, of you who are sending me to them? And God says to him, Tell them, My name is I Am. Four Hebrew letters, yod Hey vav Hey. The name I am, often in our English Bible, you'll see a capitalized Lord, L-O-R-D. There's a long history behind why it's translated as Lord at this time. But essentially, this is God's personal name, and he's saying, I am. Listen, I can't say I am. 
I can only say I am because of my father and mother. There has to be something that follows Yahweh, the God who is revealed here as the great I am, depends on no one and nothing. He's without beginning. He is without first cause. He's always capable. He's pure act. He's sufficient. He's saying, call me Yahweh. Call me I am, a man of action, pure action. Listen, despite all the arrogance that exists in all of our professional sports, and there is quite a bit, we have King James and we have the great one. No athlete has ever said, call me I am. Put I am on the back of my jersey. Do you know this God who reveals himself as I am, as Yahweh, the one who's adequate to draw a straight line with a crooked stick? Listen, I don't know what challenges are before you. It might be virtual school. It might be a difficult marriage. It might be finding someone to marry. But I'm wondering, do you know the God who is adequate in this situation, who can do anything without consuming you? The great I am. Do you pray to him? But it's not just his, inadequ- his adequacy that is revealed. It's also God's attention which grabs our attention as we read this passage. Look closely at verse 5. What is Moses here from the flame? Moses. Moses. God uses Moses' first name, his personal name. He says, listen, I am the God of your father, the father you hardly knew as you were sent away to be raised by foreign people. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob, those patriarchs who your mother told you about as she nursed you while she was pretending to be just a wet nurse. I am the God who's made himself known to Israel. And I've heard the cry of my people in Egypt. My ear is attentive to it. You see this in verse 7 and 8. What do we learn? We learn that God may dwell in heaven and he may have thousands of angels serving him. The same God who spoke and the universe came into being is currently right now monitoring the rotation of the, of the moon, ensuring there's no one rogue molecule on our universe and that there's no star burning out before its time, before its purpose. That God is telling us that he bends his ear from heaven and he hears the groans and cries of his people. He sees their oppression and he knows them by name. There's nothing more personal than a name. Moses, Moses. I am listening. I am watching all the trials you've gone through. Put on the water, the trauma of being disconnected and having attachment problems from your mother, raised by a foreign people, looking and identifying as an outsider. It's just preparation. I have been watching and I've been waiting for this time. Friends, we started a new year with schools canceled and restaurants closed and gyms closed and everyone is frustrated. What are we supposed to do? What did you do? I'll tell you what I did, and you might think I'm crazy, but I wrote an email to the premier's office. And I don't know if he'll read it, but I felt as though the premier wasn't hearing voices of people like me. He wasn't taking serious issues that were facing me and the people that I interacted with regularly. So I wrote an email to the premier voicing some of my concerns. Now, some of you roll your eyes at this and say, why would you do this? It went into a royal waistband. Well, it may have been therapeutic just to get it off my chest. But, but, here's my concern. Politicians should listen to their constituents. And my fear is we've grown so used to assuming they don't that we probably assume that the same thing happens in the courts of heaven on a much larger scale when we let our prayers go up to God. 
He's too involved with the higher level stuff, listening to the cry of the persecuted church, dealing with bigger issues than just frustrations related to COVID-19 shutdowns. And it's into that world we hear, Moses, Moses, Kyle, Kyle, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, David, David, insert your name here. We hear God saying, listen, I hear you. I'm not going to give you a stock email back that says, thanks for writing and I'll get back to you later. I'm going to call and reach out to you personally, give you an invitation and say, come near. What you need to do is take off your shoes and come onto this holy ground that can't be polluted by the animal skin on your feet. I'm going to give you adequacy for your inadequacy. I'm going to give you my personal presence where you feel insecure. This is how God shows up. He shows up in a flame and he shows up in a voice. And in the flame, we see his adequacy. And in the voice, we see his attentiveness. But now we have to ask, and we'll move quickly, why? Why does God show up? Why does he show up in Moses' life or anyone's life for that matter? Well, we see it in verse 8. God has a plan and he's going to rescue his people. One million people roughly acting as slaves for the greatest superpower that existed, fueling an economic boom for free labor. And God says, enough is enough. Moses, you thought you were running away from Pharaoh as a fugitive, but you are right where I want you to be. It's time. You're going to go talk to Pharaoh. And Moses says, who am I? And God says, listen, you're nobody. You're just like everyone else that I created, but I am with you. I will be with you. Listen, why does God show up? Because he has a redemptive plan that is unfolding and he's going to use Moses. He doesn't give Moses all the details of the plan, but he gives Moses his personal presence, his, his very presence. He says, Moses, here's what you need to know. You don't serve a plan. You serve a person, a person who is strong when you are weak, who's adequate when you are inadequate, a person who is keenly focused and attentive on each one of his people's cries. Moses, Moses, draw near. You need my presence. This is why God shows up. And this is why God makes himself known always on the earth and will make himself known this year as well to many because he has a redemptive plan in store for his people. He will deliver his people. He's going to bring them out of a kingdom of oppression into a kingdom of flourishing. He is going to draw them to life by drawing near. This is his plan. His perfect kingdom is going to roll out and he's going to give glimpses of it today by calling his people to draw near and tasking them with extraordinary tasks. He's going to show up and he's going to tell you and he's going to tell me that I'm going to use you to take resources from the future when everything on earth, all of my will is enacted on earth the way it is in heaven. The, the kingdom that is to come, I'm going to take you and use you to be an agent of that future kingdom now in the present. You're going to come into history and pull resources back in. And as you interact with those who are trapped with addiction, they're going to find hope through your persistent friendship. And as you interact with those who are suffering, they're going to find healing through your medical practice and through your patience. And as you deal with those who are caught in despair, they're going to find hope through your conversation. And as you deal with those who feel meaningless through your faithful witness, they are going to find purpose and meaning in this world. God shows up not because he has impossible tasks to do and he needs you to do them. He shows up because he wants to be near you. 
And in being near God, he then commissions you out to be his agent. He gives you the instructions of how to move with his presence into the world to be a redemptive agent of hope. Listen, as we conclude, the voice from the burning bush is said to be both the voice of God and the voice of an angel of the Lord. Which one is it? Is it God? Is it an angel of the Lord? Is it maybe an angel like Gabriel? Moses saw this flame and he heard a voice. But what Moses saw only in a shadow. This Christmas in the past months we remembered with clarity. The second person of the Trinity, the very word of God, so long to be near us. So long to be one with his people that he was itching, that he made himself known in this flame. He visited this earth in the form of fire. He, and now we know he came even closer than fire. He took on flesh. Jesus of Nazareth is God with us. The God who we got a glimpse of in the burning bush has now come and drawn near to us. And it shouldn't surprise us that at the high point of his conflict with the Jewish establishment, as they will be interrogating him about his relationship to Abraham, Jesus will say, before Abraham was, I am. In 2022, our goal is to get to know Jesus. Who is this Jesus? And his last words this Jesus gave to us are promises that we will need to carry us through the years. He said, I will be with you to his church to the end of the age. Listen, I don't know what God is calling you to do, and I don't know exactly what he's calling our church to do in 2022. But I do have hope that as we discover just how weak we are, we might find ourselves useful to the king this year. And I pray that as we discover our inadequacy, we might find him to be adequate in all things. And it is my prayer that you and I would be brave enough when we hear his voice to listen. And as we cry out to him, to have the courage to know that he knows your very name. He's listening to your cry. And he is going to give you his very presence. And when he gives you the pre his presence, he is going to call you to make the world a new and different place. To become agents of the king who gave his life that all might for find forgiveness and hope through him. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at christchurchtoronto.ca or email us at info at christchurchtoronto.ca.